You are listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Welcome back to another summer bonus episode of The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. Thanks so much for listening. And I think if you're listening to this, that probably means you're a patron. Uh, Some of these might eventually get out into the wider world. But for now, it probably means you're financially supporting the show. And I greatly, greatly appreciate that. And uh, thank you. And if you you want to tell a friend... eh. Wouldn't go amiss. Uh, this is another of the uh, kind of classic trio sessions. Uh, I'm joined once again by uh, Aaron Stabell. Aaron, great to have you. Great to be here, Jason. Happy to talk to you all. And also joined again by Patrick McCurry. Patrick, welcome back. Thank you very much. Extremely excited, probably more so than I should be. I don't know. This is fun. It is fun. I uh, I've been looking forward to this one. We've got uh, we've got a, a cool little project that we've been working on, which is um, to make a a car safe playlist is what we're calling it. And the idea of this is so we all have families, and at various times we are traveling uh, with those families, or you know you're in the car with friends, and maybe your friends or your family are not jazz fans necessarily. And so what we tried to do was to come up with a playlist of tunes that you could bring with you on a trip like that. And if you had folks in the car that you didn't think were going to be into like extended out, you know, 20 minutes of a, you know, bite the read and scream uh, saxophone thing, you could put this playlist on and it would still kind of be in the realm of, I think what we would be comfortable calling jazz, although there might be one track on here that uh, looking ahead, I'm very excited to hear how it's going to get wedged in. Um, And then uh, you'd have a reasonable chance of not hearing from one of the other seats. Do we have to listen to this? So that was kind of our, our intention. And we've each brought three tracks to a playlist um, but what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of round robin it, uh, go around and uh, each talk about one of our tracks. And maybe I'll just take uh, a host privilege here and I'll I'll go first. Um, my first track is called No Separation. Uh, it's by Russell Gunn and it's from his album Ethnomusicology Volume 3, which came out in 2003. <laughs> And in 2003, I was the station manager and the afternoon drive time host at Jazz 90.1, which is in Rochester, New York. And uh, it was it was and remains a 24 hour jazz station. And I remember loving, loving, loving this record. And I played the heck out of this particular track. Um, I'm as a fan of like uh, us three and some of the kind of jazz inflected stuff that like Tribe Called Quest and Gangstar did. Um, I really loved the way this Russell Gunn track kind of combined uh, hip hop and this really kind of anthemic um, horn line writing. Uh, Stefan Harris plays some really cool vibe parts on it as well. And this to me is like, 
it's kind of like this perfect hybrid of a bunch of different genres that I like. And it feels to me at least like an authentic expression of all of them. It doesn't feel like, oh, we hired a turntablist for this session for one track to try and, you know, give it some kind of hip hop feel. It feels like all of the pieces that are put into this are there kind of legitimately. And I, I really dig it for that reason. Uh, Patrick and Aaron, did either of you have any reaction uh, here in this piece? Yeah, yeah it I was. Just, oh, go ahead. Go Aaron. ahead, Patrick. It, no, Patrick, please, you go. <laughs> it, yeah, it was, it, like you say, it was, it felt authentic. It felt, it felt organic. And I remember, um, I've, I remember back in the eighties when, um, when, uh, um, God help me. I didn't write this note down. <laughs> Since you haven't gotten any farther than I remember back in the eighties, it's going to be very hard, hard to help you. <laughs> no. Um, Gosh, a huge producer, produced Miles Davis. Um, his daughter was on Quincy uh, Jones. Parks and Rec. Yes, God help me. Quincy Jones, when he did this, um, he did that album and it had, it was like sort of an attempt to, you know, really, some of it really seemed to be shoehorning different styles of music together, um, jazz and hip hop and R&B and stuff. And it was, uh, some of it I really enjoyed and listened to it a lot, but this sounds like that sort of effort, but matured, um, sort of brought uh, just years and years later, obviously a lot like that has been, as a lot of this fusion type things, different kinds of music coming together have, um, a lot has happened since Quincy Jones did that, um, did that album. Can I, what's the name of the album? Please help me. Uh, I don't know. It's not back on the block, is it? No idea. Uh, maybe that was one of the ch- one of the charts. Oh, do I know this? And okay, anyway, um, but yeah, I felt really it was fun to listen to, and and for me, it sort of sets the stage if we're talking about it first for like all of these car safe tunes because they are all such a mix of styles that are not, you know, except maybe a couple. Um, very clearly defined as jazz as what most people would call jazz. Aaron, anything you want to chime in with? Yeah. So I had an interesting experience listening to this. Uh, I remember seeing this record when it came out or close to when it came out and not picking it up. Um, Something about it. I don't know. Just didn't appeal to me at that time. Just, without even hearing it right like such a bad way to decide whether you're going to like music or not but something about the cover or there was something i was like i don't know but then i listened to it when you sent this recommendation and realized it's uh, i've played a lot of music like this um my friend brown man who lives in toronto has this group the brown man electric trio and we played a lot over about 10 a 10 year span and the music sounds really similar. Like he uses effects pedals and on his trumpet. Um, and it's just a trio with trumpet, bass and drums. But a lot of times we would bring like rappers or other musicians into the mix as well. And I think it's a perfect choice for the car safe playlist because at the same time as I was like in school at Eastman working on these kind of highbrow projects in a lot of cases, um, I would go play with this electric trio and people would just like love it, like go cr- absolutely crazy. You know, we would play at just like a regular bar in Buffalo, not a jazz club, you know, just like a bar where people would go after Buffalo Sabres games or whatever. And people would go just completely bonkers for this music. And then I would go back to the stuff that I thought was like so brilliant and so great. And there would be like, you know, four people in the coffee shop not paying attention. So I think that if the goal is to reach a large audience and, and sort of like uh, give them a taste of why we like jazz as, as like, I guess, hardcore jazz listeners, I think this is a great fit. And I've seen it in person. I've seen it work uh, to, to attract a large audience. So I'm not sure what it is that does that. I think probably the meld of different styles, some styles that folks are familiar with and some that they're less familiar with, but, um, we never talked about that playing with Brown and uh, that's another, you know, it's worth checking out some of his music too. If you haven't 
um because his stuff's really cool sounds a lot like this so if you like the russell gun you'd like brown man too but um yeah i enjoyed it i liked it a lot aaron since you've got the mic uh how about if you give us the next track yeah the first track i chose was rewind that from christian scott uh from his record rewind that uh 2006 release Christian Scott is the same age as me. We went to summer jazz camp together when we were in high school. And then he just um, did way better than I did in life. And so <laughs> he's got these great records out that are awesome. Uh, I love this track um, pretty specifically because Thomas Pridgen plays drums on it. Uh, he's a fantastic drummer. He used to play drums for like the Mars Volta. And he's branched out and done a lot of other cool stuff since. Um, but it's like the, it's like kind of like the late miles vibe, but it's its own thing too. And I just love when this sort of like gospel influenced drumming, um, which was really all the rage when I was kind of in grad school, like there was a gospel chops website and people were like all about learning how to play these licks and stuff. Um, just for me, it's like super fun to listen to how aggressive he plays. Um, the rest of the band is really great too, but uh, that's the thing that I love about this track. And I think it, it sounds like jazz if you listen to it from a jazz perspective, but I also think it sounds like, you know, kind of rock, um, you know, alternative rock, I guess, if you listen to it with that sort of perspective. So I think it's a great track. The whole record's great, but um, definitely the first track really sets the stage. So. That's my second or my first choice. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I should admit this or not, but this listening to this track was the very first time I ever heard Christian Scott play. Um, I have not heard a note of Christian Scott's music, uh, at least not knowingly, which yeah. is was not an intentional decision I made or anything like that. It just sometimes there are just gaps in the things that you hear. And oh, for yeah. some reason, I just hadn't gotten around to Christian Scott. And I did not know what to expect, but for whatever reason, I, uh, and again, I literally have nothing else to go on, but this one track, I kind in my, in my brain, I thought of Christian Scott as kind of a traditionalist. And so as soon as this track began and Matthew Stevens guitar riff on this started, uh, which I love, and which to me is like the, to me, that's the meat of the, of the track. Yeah. I just, I love his sound. Yeah, I love the riff amazing. that he's chosen. Um, and uh, Aaron, you've already referenced um, like seventies uh, or maybe even eighties miles. And this definitely puts me in mind of seventies miles for sure, especially the guitar sound. Uh, but as soon as that happened, I was like, Oh, okay. So I barely knew anything about Christian Scott and anything I thought I did know was in fact incorrect. Um, at least as expressed in this track, which I really dug. And I think the for me, the place where it most different, differentiates itself from that 70s miles sound is actually christian scott himself i think if you you could put a miles davis solo over this track and i think you could reasonably convince someone that it's that that's what it is uh just, you know because the other backing members sound like they fit in but his trumpet sound i think is a whole other ball game and uh i, I really really liked it and kind of how how bright and punchy and aggressive it was um over this uh you know kind of like riff like fuzz heavy music uh yeah so i i really really dug it oh me too i mean how much it was uh, this great sort of ambient vibe and i'm trying to been trying to sort of piece together what is common among these songs that that make them 
make them maybe appropriate for car safe for trips and things for other non-jazz fans. And just the fact that this sort of brings this almost prog rock um, groove uh, going through and with all these jazz, the, it, the improv is not, I'm thinking about it in terms of connecting with um, the people in the car. The improv is not really too chromatic. It's, it's beautiful and it's, um, it accents the groove. The groove is the center stage. And I think I'm seeing that about a lot of these, um, a lot of these is that the groove itself is kind of is kind of the centerpiece of the songs, um, maybe less so than the melodies. I don't know, but um, simpler harmonies and um, improv, maybe a little bit more accessible, but definitely a groove. Loved it. Patrick, why don't you give us a track? My first one is Fly Me to the Moon by uh, Frank Sinatra and the Count Basie band. That's Johnny Mercer and Harold Allen. Now this man here is gonna take me by the hand and he's gonna lead me down the right path to righteousness and all that other mother jazz in the right tempo. Fly me to the moon Let me swing among those stars Let me see what spring is like On a Jupiter and Mars In other words Hold my hand In other words Baby, kiss me this is from a 1966 album, Sinatra at the Sands with Count Basie. And, uh, but what I didn't know, I just read, I read today, if it's true on Wikipedia, is that this was the first, this was Sinatra's first live album ever commercially released. And besides just the normal jazz comments that it swings just so ridiculously hard, it's Basie and, um, I don't know. I've I've heard some other even Sinatra basic collaborations, and none of them seem to tip like this one does. And but the really the main reason I picked it is because very specifically, someone in the car knows this song, and this is our song. This is like mine and Susan's song. We danced to at our wedding. But so it, it's just a very specifically car safe song for us because, and it being in the jazz world. Um, so it has all these, I mean, that's just from just a connection you have, you have a lot of times I think people that aren't jazz fans have trouble with just instrumental music in general. Um, but even if you, even if you don't, again, this is the bassy band and the groove and the way that they work together is just amazing. Yeah. And this, I'm so glad you picked this song because it's the only song like this on this playlist. And if the playlist were to go in the order that we've been talking about these songs, this will be a real left turn um, after Russell Gunn and Christian Scott. And then we're going to drop back to, you know, uh, Sonny Payne and Freddie Green in the rhythm section with Count Basie. I mean, that's like a, that's a whole other world. This is like, it's so much music in such a condensed package. It's less than three minutes long. This to me, and I sent you guys a note earlier uh, before we recorded saying like, I'm very curious if, if you, if we put this, which we're going to, if we put this on the car safe playlist and someone literally did just get in their car with some non non overtly jazz fan friends and put this playlist on when it gets to this track, is this like everything people think jazz sounds like, and they don't like, or is it just so unbelievably cool that the fact that it's a very old piece of music in a, you know, very classical, you know, big band swing style, does that just win people over because it's like so effortlessly charming? And I don't know the answer to that question. And I would love to know, I would love to test this out um, on people. And Aaron, I don't know what you think about any of that. Well, I think it depends on who's in your car. True. You know, I mean, I, you used uh, words in your text earlier that were not 
uh, quite as nice or radio friendly, I believe, as the <laughs> ones you just chose, um, which is which is, I think, like way more how I would describe it, too, because I think like this is the this is the tune where if you play it at a wedding gig that you already like hate with all of your might. That, that this is the one where that like people do know and start like fake snapping their fingers along to that really makes you, you know, just question all your life decisions <laughs> that you've made up until that point. And I'm not, I'm not saying that just because it just happened a few weeks ago to me, but I am saying that because it just happened a few weeks oh, ago man. to me. And so, you know, but, but I also totally get what you mean. And I think for a lot of people, this is, is, is great. And like, I think sometimes this is just a theory that I've worked out um, playing some wedding gigs that have made me question my existence. But like, I think that that guy who's like doing the fake finger snap wants to understand why this is good, but just like, doesn't get it enough. You know what I mean? So maybe the car safe playlist is just a thing that, that those people, like, this is a good bridge tune, you know? And a lot of these tunes are like good bridge tunes to what's next. Like this whole record is a super favorite of mine too. Um, I learned the whole thing, you know, to play on drums when I was in in school. Uh, so I think that like my hope would be somebody would listen to this and then also the whole rest of it. And then the other side, that's just the Basie band without like but the before Sinatra came out, they recorded a whole other set, you know? And I hope that that would be like a gateway song for somebody to, you know, actually start digging this music because I do agree. It's really great. Uh, great example. And, Patrick, you probably did this on purpose, but also conducted and arranged by Quincy Jones. You knew Quincy that. Jones. That's right. Yeah, I, knew, I absolutely knew that. I knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, I did ahead. look. Um, I have interviewed people who were in at part of this era, and so I did look uh, for every track to see, you know, has anybody from this al- this album been on the jazz session? And uh, there there were some possibilities for the Basie band, but unfortunately, um, none of them were on this on this recording. Patrick kind of made reference to the Basie Sinatra studio album um, and maybe not liking that one as much. I adore that record. Uh, so just to put another another view on it, uh, I think it's well worth listening to. It was the first of their collaborations that I heard. Well, it was the first first one that occurred, but I happened to hear them in the actual order that they happened. And uh, I, I think it's a great a great record um so if we've just so we've gone uh like hip-hop jazz to like fuzz tone guitar rock gospel jazz to frank sinatra at the sands and now we're gonna we're gonna take just another big turn uh as we continue on this playlist into the philadelphia experiment and this is an album that came out in uh, 2001. Uh, the band is called The Philadelphia Experiment. The album is called The Philadelphia Experiment, not to be confused with the classic film, also called The Philadelphia Experiment, uh, which makes the album hard to Google. Um, this is uh, Uri Kane on keys, uh, Questlove from The Roots on drums, and Christian McBride on bass, who has been on the jazz session. And on this track, um, John Swana plays trumpet. I think this is the only track he appears on. And then, of course, this tune is uh, Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man theme. whole album to me is just like all killer no filler it's they 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 do incredibly funky things with everything from complete improvisations to marvin Gaye to sun Ra. uh it just it's it's really wild it's a great record by three people who i think really love the concept of tradition and also are not afraid to not be bound by it i, I love the trouble man soundtrack 
uh, and I just will throw in because I'm also a fan of Marvel movies that um, one of the things that Captain America writes on his list of stuff when he needs to catch up to the modern world, uh, the the thing that uh, the Falcon suggests to him is to listen to the, the Trouble Man soundtrack. I love this album. Um, I remember getting it when it came out. I've always been a big Questlove fan uh, as a drummer all the way back to I was listening to the, the Roots in high school and stuff before it was cool, obviously. Um, and I love the melding. Like, I think, you know, it's great to hear two jazz guys playing with, I guess, like, you know, Questlove kind of made his career as a hip hop guy, but he's so good at, you know, so much about music and he can play any style. And I love all the tracks. I was surprised you chose this track. I really like track one which is called the philadelphia experiment or the miles hit track eight those are other ones that i i, I don't know those are my but favorites, i chose so. this track for this particular playlist because there's a at least some chance that the the person in your car who's not a jazz head might have heard the trouble man soundtrack and so oh, being okay. somewhat familiar with the marvin gay tune might be a way in to everything else that they do in this piece uh, yeah well that makes sense I think it is a good song. And somebody might know who Questlove is outside of, you know, somebody in the car who might know his work. My next track was The Lost and, uh, no, sorry, from The Lost and Found by Gretchen Parlato. And the track I chose was Holding Back the Years. This is this is actually the first one I thought of when you mentioned this, because it doesn't sound like a jazz track to me or to anybody else, I think, in the car, but it still is totally. And I think about one of the ways that, you know, you can like stealthily play jazz in the car. Now, I have like a very cool family, so I can kind of play like we can get down with pretty much whatever, but. Um, one of the ways that you can sort of stealthily play jazz is if you play something like this track where I think like everybody's listening to it on one level, but then I can like totally get into it on a different level where I can be like, oh, really cool voicings that the piano player is playing and like, oh, listen to how the drums, like that groove feels really good. And everybody else is just like, -na 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 -na. oh, this is a nice song. Her voice sounds good. Not a lot else to say about it. There's some other great tracks on this record, but honestly, that's the one I listen to like most of the time. If I listen to something, it's great. It's short. It's under four minutes. And uh, I love it. So what did y'all think about it? Beautiful arrangement. I love reharmonizations. So they just make me happy, um, especially with tunes that that I grew up with that, that I never really thought thought of as anything but just 80s pop tunes. Sometimes I didn't even know the song was beautiful until I hear somebody cover it who kind of does something a little bit different with it. So yeah, well, there are a lot of reasons. Uh, can that? I interrupt? I'm just learning now that this uh, this is uh, this was an 80s pop tune. Oh my God, I, didn't, I, I didn't simply read the, the original is <laughs> drop dead gorgeous. The original is absolutely killer. I will uh, check it out, but yeah. I didn't know that. So good for you guys. That's going to connect with the people and certainly going to connect with my wife, who is also graduated senior high school as me, same high school. So we had the same 
culture and she's going to know the tune and, and it would be a, I think she would like it. I believe the Simply Red original has a, tr- a muted trumpet part in it as well, if memory serves. I so um, it has more improvisation than this version. Than this of- version, it very, very well may. Um, the I was stunned when I looked in the archives of the jazz session uh, because I was sure I had interviewed Gretchen Parlato about this record because I love this record so, so much. And I did not. Uh, she has been on the jazz session, but she was on last year uh, in year 14 slash 15 and Nikki interviewed her. So uh, good on Nikki for finally getting her on the show. Uh, the the My main memory of this record uh, is that I listened to it a lot when I lived in uh, Albany, New York. And when I was moving out of my tiny apartment around the time that my life was going through some major changes, I filmed this parody MTV Cribs video called Poetry Cribs because I lived in this tiny little basement apartment. And I just remember that one of the shots is me zooming in on a copy of this album on CD that's on the floor of the apartment. Uh, and I just, so I was just sure that I interviewed her. However, I have interviewed other people who play on this track. Uh, Taylor Eichstee, who plays keyboards, and Kendrick Scott, uh, who plays drums on this track. They have both been on the session, jazz session, the session, my new show. And uh, this album was produced, uh, co-produced. Uh, Gretchen was one of the producers and the other was Robert Glasper, who's also been on the jazz session and who, uh, about whom more later. And uh, yeah, just if you haven't heard the Simply Red original, it's uh, it's drop dead gorgeous. Uh, Patrick, you are up. This tune is Moroccan Taxi by a band called Free Planet Radio out of uh, Asheville, North Carolina. done several albums this one is from 2008 the album is called worldwide and um personnel in here is elliot wadopian do either of you happen to know if that's the right way to pronounce that name because he is i think the more widely known player of the trio that recorded this yeah i looked up the members of the band and i didn't recognize any of them they were all new all brand new to me well i think um I think he's the, he's had some uh, he's had some credits with like some world music new age kind of thing I think uh, what's the saxophone player Phil Winter it doesn't matter these are not his name is Paul Winter Paul Winter sorry um, yeah thanks but it's this it, the the band is new I'm, I'm just hearing about it and enjoying it um, very much and a lot of it especially these first two albums they did of from 04 and 2008 are um just have a lot of there the the influence is middle eastern and north african and indian so the grooves are from all these different uh different cultures but sort of focused in a certain part of the world and i think that is um the uh, mostly because of chris rosser and and maybe river gregarian who plays the drums and percussion chris rosser plays the stringed instruments and in this one the instrument, I believe, is uh, jumbush, uh, jumbush, which is pronounced like C-U-M-B-U-S with all kinds of um, artifacts on half the letters, and a, a jumbush oud. So it's a stringed, some kind of oud, and um, uh, and and so it's really all the all the melodies are really great writing, and the uh, craft is terrific um, throughout all of the recordings. Aaron, your reaction. Yeah, I had never heard this before, and I definitely think it was uh, something I would be cool with in the car. 
Uh, it reminded me, I think it was that Oud on there, but it reminded me a lot of uh, Abishai Cohen, the bass player Abishai Cohen, and some of his stuff that I used to like a lot. Um, there was a record called Adama uh, that I listened to a ton. Great uh, record. Yeah, like back when I was starting college, I listened to that a bunch. And when I was starting to get into like odd meter stuff and I think it's such a cool instrument and you don't hear it. I don't hear it as much as I would like to, but just like the way that the, um, the bending of the pitches and like certain melodic things that I think are, I think just from what I've heard are kind of like characteristic to the instrument, uh, different embellishments and stuff like that. I really enjoyed. Um, and as I talk about it in this kind of like nerdy way, I also think like what you said, Patrick, the, the groove is just solid and like it's fun and it's easy you know if you want it to be easy to listen to it is um so i had never checked it out but i certainly approve of it. uh so i'm gonna do my third and for me my final track um it's been about uh i guess three and a half years um since roy hargrove uh passed away and um, when he did, uh, you know, his obviously there were tons of remembrances of him and uh, people were posting, you know, video clips and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the songs uh, that I heard the most when he passed was uh, the one that I chose for the playlist, which is uh, Strasbourg Saint Denis, which is from his 2008 record Ear Food. This to me is a is a perfect song. Like um, it, there are some really long extended live versions of it that you can find, and every single one of them is worth finding. But in its studio form, where it's like you know uh, just slightly longer than a Beach Boys song, uh, it it's it's everything as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it is like it's perfectly played. It's it, it, the groove is impeccable. It's so joyous, so tasteful, so bouncy. Um, I literally cannot listen to this without, you know, chair dancing, or if I'm, if I'm standing actually dancing, uh, the melodic line and the way it kind of interfaces with the rhythm is, I mean, it's just, it's just perfection. Uh, everything about this to me is like the epitome of how you channel joy into music and just bottle it so you can pass it on to other people. And uh, I just, I think it's a, it's just a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. And uh, that's why I put it on the playlist. It's of the songs I chose. It's the quote unquote jazziest, probably um, like it has the most elements that sound like what I think people think of when they think of jazz, though I'm not exactly sure what they think of. Um, but like, you know, all acoustic instruments, uh, you know, drums, piano, upright bass, trumpet, saxophone. But I, I think this song could win anybody over as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I absolutely love it. And so wish that, uh, we were going to get to hear new music, uh, from Roy, um, Patrick, you want to, yeah, yeah I, um, this is, this is one of the songs that I, I knew this one and looking at all the songs that we've, all, most of the other songs that we've talked about, a lot of them come from this, this dead, this decade. Now, but this one I had heard only, but only because I've been teaching at, uh, like it's a sort of a standard now. It's a seems to be a college combo standard. Um, I teach at Alabama State University and uh, teach saxophone adjunct, and the kids there all know this tune and played it, and that's how I learned the tune. I was like, I don't know this tune, and, but everybody like it's it's just as common as softly as in morning sunrise to to certain people, and um, 
I'm just very, it's, it's, and you're exactly right about everything. It just, it, it's, it's really groovy and it's, and the fact that it's short makes it perfect. Aaron? Yeah, I was going to say kind of the same thing. Um, it is like a jam session standard now. Like I feel like uh, I just played in the, the house jam session band for the Rochester Jazz Festival. And this is a tune that somebody called and I, you know, you got to know how it goes. This, it's like this one and uh, Kenny Garrett sing a song of song is another one where I feel like they're so, they're such good tunes that they've sort of like climbed out of the pit of despair of jazz and like become something that people, you know, will want to learn and continue to play for a long time. <laughs> and so I, so it, it, so because of that, um, it almost to me, <laughs> oh my god, like, um, it's Wait. almost so good of a tune that then, then that I don't like it now. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you know, you know, when something gets like too popular and then you're like, oh, wait, I don't like that anymore. Sure. Oh, that's absolutely. Kind of, yeah, that's kind yeah. of like almost where I am on this tune just because of that. Like, if you, t- if you took away all of the you know, uh, connotations that exist out there um, and just take it for what it is on face value. It's a great tune. No question. All the things that you're saying are right. But to me, you know, it's almost like if I'm playing at a jam session and somebody calls this tune, then you know what that means? It's going to be like 10 minutes of playing just this backbeat groove while someone just plays whatever they want over the top of it, which to me, then I'm like, oh, okay. Or something else would also be fine. You know what I mean? That context is so interesting because I am so absolutely disconnected from what modern students of the music know that I have literally never heard anyone play this song but Roy Hargrove and whatever collection of musicians were with him. And I have none of that other stuff with it. Like I just I did not know until right now when you both said it that this is a tune people know. And I mean, I guess in one sense, I'm happy to hear that. But I also totally get I did have a period in my life when I was playing a lot of like real book gigs, um, you know, pick up combos in cafes and restaurants and stuff. And, uh, you know, it doesn't no matter how great a tune, you know, Blue Bossa was when it was written, uh, there comes a point where like you could just not hear it anymore. You know, it's just and for exactly that same kind of reason that you're talking about. So yeah, that's so fascinating to me. Um, I don't know what songs have crawled out of the pit of despair. I do. I am a hundred percent aware that there is such a pit and yes. uh, I just, I don't have any, uh, any like uh, closed circuit camera that shows me when songs climb out. So I'm fascinated yeah. to learn that this is one of them. Yeah. Like I think if you did, if you made this playlist into a blindfold test, for a kid like entering their junior year of jazz undergrad jazz college i bet you this is the tune that gets recognized most even more than the sinatra fascinating love it love it love it love it uh aaron song number three from you please yeah um actually i was gonna pick blue bossa but um, (laughs) that's great yeah here's a 45 minute version of blue bossa by a solo guitar player (laughs) it's not gonna pick that um, my third pick is from a Robert Glasper record called Double Booked, and the tune I chose was Yes, I'm Country, and That's Okay. I like this because 
it is kind of like a little country and like he's cool with that you know and i think that right so often it's that's why he called it that i'm assuming but you know like i think there are so much uh I've, I've dealt with this in my life and I've seen my, my peers and I've seen it even in, you know, watching, you know, in Downbeat Magazine and stuff, people who like feel are doing something in jazz because they feel like this is what they have to do, you know? And I think this record on on a whole, like it's, it's kind of two halves. So the first half is the trio um, where they play kind of like more traditional jazz sounding stuff. And then the second half is the Robert Glasper experiment which then the next couple, the next record that he made after this was Black Radio. And I think that's the one that won the like best album at the Grammys, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. R&D. That was, that was the big explosion record. for. Yeah. Him. So this is kind of like right before that, you know, where I, I guess they were kind of trying that stuff out, which all of that is to say that like Robert Glasper is doing whatever the hell he wants on this record, playing a monk tune and playing this like kind of, it's not really country the tune, but you know, it definitely has like some different flavors from like the traditional jazz lexicon. And then he goes and plays these like hip hop tunes on the, on the second half. And I identify so deeply with that idea that like we are so many different things besides just one kind of music. You know, like the conversation always used to be like, oh, there's not enough blues in someone's playing. But it's like, well, you know, for some, like, I haven't lived a lot of blues in my life, fortunately, you know, like things have been pretty okay, but I want to play music that represents what I've lived and what I've experienced. And so it's pretty empowering, I think, uh, on a, in a larger sense to see a record like this come out, um, and just have him kind of doing whatever he wants, but it's also just a super fun little tune to listen to too, while you're grooving in the car, driving down the street. So there's that also. Yeah, so couldn't, I chose it. Couldn't agree more. Um, Robert Glasper was on the jazz session uh, f- to talk about this record um, back in 2009. And uh, I, yeah, I, I love this record. I think uh, Chris Dave and Vicente Archer sound awesome on it. And uh, on this, the, the track that we're listening to, which is the, the trio part of the first half. And the, um, this track in particular, I, I'm a, a real big fan um, of the like Keith Jarrett and Gary Burton kind of country jazz stuff from the 70s that they did together. And this really puts me in in mind of that. Um, you, it's not I don't think it's derivative of that at, at all, but it just it feels like it's in that same kind of ballpark. And uh, and I really dig that. I, I'm a real fan of the of the kind of flavor of this of this playing. And yeah, just I think it sounds great. and It's perfect for this playlist. Thank you. It's a it's a combination of um, um, it gave me sort of Bruce Hornsby vibes uh, at the same time. It's kind of a Latin tune and it's mixed, but it's mixed with these really exclusive sounding R and B sort of real loose chords that kind of come in and out that that maybe sort of are uh, uh, predict where he's headed to. Um, in his career, and and so I think there's some reasons why it's car safe. You know, you have these, this sort of pop, a, a somewhat of a pop aesthetic to it, mixed with R&B, and um, it's very chill. It's happy. It's um, which is not something that you can really sometimes say about a lot of jazz that it's a happy sounding uh, tune. But I just want to say something about this idea of car safe. I, I want to say one thing at least in my intention about what it is clearly not it is not an attempt to say we're picking like dumbed down stuff or um stuff that's really only barely jazz and that's why we think a person who's not really into jazz can like it or you know stuff by artists who are like exclusively crossover artists or something like i don't mean that by it at all i i feel like everything we've picked here with the possible exception, although I'm willing to be convinced of the next track. Um, I feel like everything we've picked here, like really does fit firmly into some kind of definition of jazz and without going down the rabbit hole of what jazz means, because there's no point to that at all. But um, I think this, you know, all of this music 
for example, all of this music would appear on a jazz radio station. Uh, a lot of this music has appeared on the jazz session um, to hear just to have heard now Patrick and Aaron talk about it. Uh, at least one of these tunes has now become a modern standard that shows up in jam sessions and that kind of thing. So the, I'm I'm not trying to see, we're not like trying to, or at least I'm not trying to like pull the wool over anyone's eyes or anything like uh, Yes, of course, there's harder and more experimental and more difficult music to listen to than this. But that's true of everything. That's true in the rock world. That's true in the classical. Uh, there's there's difficult examples in almost every genre. I just think this is really solid music that that shows its relationship to other musics that other people are more likely to have heard. And therefore, it offers them an open doorway as opposed to what I think we all often offer people which is a really high wall that has no gate in it um and just say like you know either you amass enough knowledge to figure out how to get past this wall or we don't need you and i think this music does not do that and that's kind of my intention i don't i don't mean it as any, in any kind of snarky way or anything like that i think this is all great music and any of it would be a great way to maybe bring somebody more into the world of improvised music or not it's just cool music and if they just heard this playlist and thought yeah it's pretty good I listened to that in the car and that's it. I'm totally down with that, with that too. Um, yeah, I, I used to have a show on, on jazz 90.1 with my students. And uh, we used to talk about like, this was jazz. It all has integrity still, you know, like there's jazz out there that I think lacks integrity or I don't know if you would call it jazz, but, you know, like some of the things you're mentioning, like we used to do this Christmas episode we would play like the Bobby Timmons Christmas record, which is so good. Like, it doesn't matter that it's Christmas songs. Like, it has a lot of integrity. That was always a big point we used to make. So I'm glad you said that. And we'll use that now to lead in to uh, the part I've been most looking forward to um, since Patrick made his game time swap. Uh, Patrick, would you please give us track number nine on this playlist? Hey, you set it up really well um, in in the sense that, that all these things are, just so listen to, him, listen to him sighing like you know it's It's so hard yeah we're be... here for you patrick we're mostly okay. here to pile on you if you screw this up even in the slightest way but we're here for you right now because you haven't done that yet so the this the reason this is on the real reason this is on the playlist is because i was in new orleans i was passing through new orleans recently and um had lunch with uh, Jason, our common friend, Jeff Albert. He is um, improvising trombonist, um, has been, I think, uh, a rising trombone star and downbeat, I think for 17 consecutive I was going to say, yeah, like 22 years. <laughs> yeah, something like yes. that. Uh, one of the more <laughs> frequent jazz session guests too, by the way, he's, he's on several episodes. Yeah, and um, we were college roommates at Loyola in New Orleans. And so at, when we were done, we were on the street um, saying our goodbyes. And I mentioned that we that we had this conversation for an episode and, and I said, we're, and for the next one, we are kind of trying to come up with a, a, a car, a playlist, a jazz playlist for the road. I said, do you have any suggestions? And without even missing a beat, he just said, Stevie Wonder. I mean, he, he didn't even think about it. and. And I, I laughed, but he's not, you know, he's not wrong. And so, so I just decided to my, put my current favorite um, Stevie Wonder tune, which is Boogie on Reggae Woman.
Which of uh, from? <laughs> I'm okay. Now that I've heard the backstory, which I had not heard till this very second. First of yeah. all, Jeff is a hundred percent right. Yeah. Then the next, but the next step was that of all of the possible Stevie tunes <laughs> that are so, so much in keeping with this playlist and contain so much of what we've been talking about. You chose no, it. You chose it. First of all, a killer Stevie tune, Boogie on Ricky yeah. Woman, but sure. that I'm to me is is the stretchiest stretch like this is almost like if this is the last track on the playlist this is almost like well you got through the other eight and so now as a treat <laughs> you can have some boogie on ricky woman well no that, <laughs> and that's ex that's exactly right i mean that's that's almost part of it because if you're playing these this kind of this kind of music in the car for people some of them who may be into it and some you know aaron's family is clearly cooler than mine but some of them are it might be a stretch for them to listen to it. You maybe you have to throw them a bone from now and then, but all of these tunes that y'all have chosen, I mean, the groove is solid and it's not, most of them are not swing tunes. You know, even the ones that are, are these like hard tipping big band or shuffle. Um, you know, it's just not, it's these things that you can move to. It's these things that you can uh, dance to. And this is, this is really no different. I mean, this has, this has more, I'm counting things on my fingers, but you can't see me. This has more improvisation than Parlato's uh, holding back the years. You know, he's, he's literally improvising on, on the harmonica. And, yeah, um, I was actually just about to say, I actually can't give you any shit for choosing this song when I compare it to the Gretchen Parlato track, because I can't, not because that's not a qualitative comparison, just to say, I can't give you any reason why that belongs on here and this doesn't. Um, just yeah, in terms of you, what each song contains, even though I think of one as a jazz artist and I don't think of the other, but I can't, sure. if I'm being honest with myself, I can't really give you any reason why. And the other connection is the same reason I picked um, um, the, the Sinatra tune is because, you know, my kids listen to, like my, my oldest loves Stevie Wonder and he listens to Stevie Wonder. So, you know, I'm making these connections to the, to the fam, but um, th there is a, a very particular way. I mean, there is a lot of overdubbing. There is some overdubbing in some of these tracks that we've been listening to I think at one or two I'm just looking at the personnel and trying to figure out who was doing what but um this one in particular there's only two musicians on it if what I if the information that I found on the internet is correct it's Stevie Wonder playing everything except congas which is Rocky uh, Zizomu so that's right it's yeah it's obnoxious it, yeah it's it's just a studio it's a studio um construction um, so yeah, this is during the period way, when that's what he was doing, like just yeah, playing every single instrument. And it, that's in that way, it is very different. It sort of doesn't fit the, the spirit, I guess. Of um, but who cares? Uh, yeah, it's no, a, I dig it. it. It's a rocking tune. I mean, I love it so much. Man, Aaron, I any? Was, I haven't. Go ahead. Oh, Go so ahead. I was just gonna say, Aaron, any final words before we wrap up the uh, either on uh, Boogie on or. Well, yeah. So I think, first of all, uh, yeah, we did make fun of the stress a little bit, but it was just a joke. Oh, um, absolutely. Because, because, well, because I think Stevie Wonder is like one of the most probably covered jazz uh, by jazz artists. artists. Unfortunately, I, I agree. Yeah, that is true. So I said that so poorly, but like <laughs> um, there's this great Dave Pietro record where he does all Stevie Wonder tunes and it's so, so fantastic. Um, I would highly recommend that to anyone, um, you know, every, you know, even like go back to our bad wedding gig discussion, but like you are the sunshine of my life. Like that's where I learned that tune on, on gigs with my dad, you know, like playing weddings and stuff. So it's obviously like gotten its way in there. And uh, Larry Goldings did record Boogie on Reggae Woman on a record called Whatever It Takes from 2006. So there is that. And I don't yep. think anybody's going to mm -hmm. say Larry Goldings isn't a jazz artist. So and I just that. saw him with James Taylor. So I'm going to put uh, You've Got a Friend as track number 10 on that. Right. I'm not, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. And so, ultimately, it's all good, right? I mean, like you're, like what you said, Jason, it's not yeah. about like making these judgments or gatekeeping or whatever. It's all no, good. Absolutely. I, went, I saw Stevie Wonder live. It was one of the best concerts I've been to. So. Yeah. And I yeah. actually First, think putting us, 
showing people that a track like this can in some way be associated with a track like, you know, Strasbourg Saint Denis or Rewind That or whatever, that, that they, they're like all kind of a family, I think does a lot to help break down the barriers that we're always talking about. Um, this is an epic length episode. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we're going to draw it to a close here. Uh, that's Patrick McCurry. Patrick, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Enjoyed it. Uh, Aaron Stabell, Aaron, friends. thanks for being here. Thank you from the pit of despair. Absolutely. And uh, your uh, riverboat captain on the river cruise boat that ends in the pit. I'm Jason Crane. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. It means the world to me. And uh, tell a friend about the jazz session. Thank, thank you, you for, for listening, listening everybody. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.